so-called preventive like this. Eric, don't forget to supplement. Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm hosting tonight with my wife, Karen. Hi. And I'm, of course, Eric. What are we up to this week, Karen? So uh, we went to the lake this weekend with the kiddos and a couple other med families as well as... Some, some, yeah, families from the med school. Yeah. Um, And it was great. The water was really shallow. And so since all of our kids are short, (laughs) it worked out great. I didn't have to get wet anywhere... I think the deepest part was like my thighs, so... And keep in mind, Karen's like 6 foot 12 inches. I am 5'11". <laughs> Shut your face. So the kids enjoyed it immensely, and it was good to get out of the house. It wore them down. It was definitely kind of a spur-of-the-moment deal, because we were... Initially, I was just going to be spending the day in the at school doing questions and doing my practice test. And then we got a phone call inviting us to go out to the, the lake. We don't get exactly a lot of uh, invites to do things because I think some people think that we have kids and therefore we don't do a lot of things, which is, you know, not, not inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is not inaccurate. It does take quite a bit to, to pack up. Well, to pack up four kiddos. I should have a go bag. I kind of do, but at the same time, it's not necessarily getting the kids in the car. They love to go in the car. It's getting them back in the car and making sure they all stay with us. And since we, I think, have the most kids of any of the families here, it makes a little bit of a difference. Yeah, well, maybe not just the most, but youngest as well. So we have a lot of younger kids, and we have a lot of them. <laughs> so so, so it's like, like Heather's family has more, That's than, true. more than four kids, I think. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on that. I thought they had four. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, they have four, and I think their youngest is five. Okay, yeah, and the lake was pretty nice. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't super cold, wasn't super warm. I can't be too snobbish when it comes to the lake because in Washington, lakes look about like that. <laughs> kind of dirty. You can see maybe six inches deep and then just a lot of silt. Yeah, it, the bottom was, it was either really rocky and hurt, or it was like, Stepping in poo. Like that kind of texture. <laughs> if you know that texture, is that is that from experience or is that from... <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's what I would imagine it would feel like, right? Sure. I don't know. But that was fun. That was good. And then um, yesterday I managed to get through all of the kids' clothes and sort them by what fits and what we still need to... What we need to get since we are changing seasons. Um, seasons. <laughs> it's still warm. We haven't, we haven't gotten through... We haven't gone through an October, November, December in Georgia yet, so we'll report back on whether this season is actually legitimately a change. I've heard October is the best month in Georgia, but we'll see. Still has thunderstorms, still has <laughs> 90 degree days, so I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. This week we have had a 79 degree day. It's gotten below 80. Yeah, so I I have a couple bags put together to give to other families, and then I have a Goodwill bag. 
Uh, today I reorganized the playroom and the kids' room and our family room. Yeah, I come home and the, the most of the house has been reorganized and not just like things picked up and put where they belong, but like furniture has been moved, layouts have been changed. <laughs> so that that's a that's a definitely a different change. What when bringing that on? Oh well, I since I went through the clothes yesterday, I was thinking that I needed to get through the toys, and so I started moving the toys around in the playroom, and I decided I always have an issue. So. Our youngest, Judah, has just started sleeping through the night again. With all of the moves and everything, it kind of disrupted. Knock on wood for that one. <laughs> it kind of disrupted. So then I will be going into their room and trekking across the house at night. And I step on toys constantly. So I thought that if I made like an L shape with our... We've got those cubbies. Um, with it. If I made an L shape and then put one of the kids' couches in inside and made like a book area. Anyways, I thought that if I encouraged the walking path to be clear, like to not have access to the toys on that side, that maybe I might have better luck not stepping on something and killing my feet in the middle of the night. So that that was, but then once you start, like then you start taking things out of the room and then you have to find some place else to put it or you have to get rid of it. And so then it just snowballed because yeah. It snowballed into the kids' room because then I was trying to make sure that the kids would not take the toys out, out of their room and spread them far and wide. Anyways, it snowballed. <laughs> we'll see if this 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 plotting and scheming actually works. <laughs> it won't. We we've tried similar tactics of moving toys into certain strategic locations so that the main room will not be inundated with toys, but it hasn't always been successful. So we will. We will see if this is a successful attempt. Yeah, I think this weekend Eric is going to help me move our daughter's bed. He doesn't know it yet. Oh, that's the first time hearing about it. I couldn't move it on my own. It's hard to change her sheets, so I want like a foot between the wall and the bed. Okay, okay. It's the first time hearing about it. I'm already being like recruited to move a piano too, so this this would be great. Whose piano? Uh, We'll talk about it later. (laughs) Not ours. It's not. It's not ours. I just don't know if it's going to be a surprise or not, so I don't want to ruin it. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about now. And, and not that I know that they even listen to this. Like, we don't get exactly a huge following, so... <laughs> <laughs> but just on the off chance. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been about my our week. I can't think of anything. Nora's glasses actually arrived, so she's been wearing those. And she spent the whole first day and a half telling me all the things that she could see she is really blind by the way really blind i look through her glasses and i'm like dear lord yeah. child well and then the edge of them because you uh, they make them a big you know like a three inch diameter piece of glass that's how they first start out and then they cut into it and so like in order to get the the curve correct so that it will focus the you know the image that she's trying to focus in on onto the retina it usually, you know, would be pretty thin in the middle, but very thick at the side. So it's like, it's probably a good, almost a centimeter thick on the sides. So it kind of gives you an idea of how much of a curve they have to, to have to reflect that image or move that image in order to get it onto her retina. That's, 
it's pretty impressive. But, I mean, she's young, so who knows? Maybe her eyes will change a little bit. I mean, all kids, I think, eyes change a little bit over time. And hopefully she gets better and not worse. Uh, we, we will see. There's always LASIK. Eric had LASIK. Although not, I don't not think... Not as a kid, though. <laughs> I don't think... I think they want women to get it after childbearing years. Because I think your eyes do change when you are pregnant. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you about that. Um, I that's thought not I heard that. Been told that. <laughs> I think I have heard something similar to that, but I just I wouldn't be able to tell you for sure. And I don't want to be that guy who keeps messing up his medical information <laughs> on a medical show. Uh, I, I don't I've speak from any experience already. besides one of my old coworkers was saying that. So I know they prefer to do it not when you're super young because your eyes change, but also because you will have degenerative vision as you get older. And so they don't want to, if you get it really, really young, you may have to have corrective lenses when you get older, or you might have to redo the surgery when you get older. So ideally you don't get it super young. But then again, there's like the offside of that. The other side of that is like, well, if you get it young, you can enjoy not having glasses while you're young and you can do, I don't know, whitewater rafting, canoeing, whatever contact sports without worrying about your glasses being broken so there's some benefits to that speaking of glasses being broken we are getting her a second pair because her and her brother love to wrestle and we know that it's coming so (laughs) it's only a matter of time before they break him Uh, we do have a warranty on it but i don't want to try the warranty out too much and having a second pair that's a little bit more utilitarian i guess is the better word yes our daughter picked out her favorite color which is fine they're her glasses but they are red and it does not necessarily go with whoever heard of glasses going with outfits i I never grew up with that (laughs) like you had coke bottle glasses like how dare you (laughs) (laughs) you were cute that was in that is in style today It is totally in style today. It is. So I was a trendsetter when I was, I don't know, eight years old? No. Yeah. No. I don't understand why some of the things that are in style are coming back in style. But I digress. We don't need to make ourselves sound any older than we already are. So (laughs) (laughs) let's move on. (laughs) So this week we're wrapping up uh, our psychology rotation. Uh, online psychology rotation so my my goal this week so if you've been following along first week i did the online med ed videos i finished all my iHuman cases and i started on you world questions and maybe some kaplan ones thrown in there and that's what i kind of continued doing for week number two and so this is week number three i took a practice test uh last saturday so right before we went to the lake i i wanted to get something done before we went and had fun and so I took a, uh, an assessment from an NBME, and I did pretty well. I think I got, I think it said I would get it like a 76%, which isn't bad. It's definitely a passing score for uh, what our school standards are. But I, I, I'm kind of hoping to get an honors, which is I think an eight, above an 81. So I think I'm not, I'm not too far from that. So I'm going to keep chugging along. And then the other thing I'm doing this week besides, of course, more questions, is doing those questions under a timed environment. And then kind of on top of the time I'm doing, you will only let you do 40 questions per block. So I'm doing two blocks of 40 back to back under time mode without doing any review in between the two blocks. I'm just trying to jump from one to the next. And then uh, so I did that today and I tried doing that a little bit yesterday. 
And so I'm, I'm really just trying to get my, <laughs> my timing down because the last shelf exam, I felt like I was rushed at the end and I don't want to feel like I'm rushed. And of course, it's kind of good preparation for step two because you're going to just constantly be running up against the clock. And so I don't want to have any issues with timing. And so speed and accuracy is what I'm working on this week. So we're going to continue doing that. And then the other things that I guess we kind of came out this week was I reached out to our uh, rotation coordinator because there's supposed to be a way I get to see some of that feedback from my pre um, my preceptors from like family medicine, so my previous rotation. And so uh, the clinical coordinator was able to get me access to a website that the doctor, Dr. Amprofor, was able to, you know, put my evaluation into. So I got to see what he thought of me, <laughs> and uh, which is, I'm, I'm looking, I was, you know, looking for feedback, of course. I'm looking for ways to be better at what I'm doing, uh, ways to become a better doctor. And so I was actually pretty happy with, because there's like two sections that he really fills out that really matter to me. There's a, there's a whole bunch of sections that talk about, you know, whether you need improvement on certain things, but he just put, um, I think exceeds expectation on every every category, which I I don't know if that. I mean, I think he's being nice. I think I have a lot of improvement to make, but the two sections that kind of mattered to me is there's one that's what goes into my student file that the dean gets to see, the dean gets to look at when she considers writing her letter of recommendation for me, and then there's a second one where it's just notes for me. It's just meant for me. You know, so maybe I'm, <laughs> you don't send it to the dean, but it's like, hey, just by the way, work on this. So in the notes he wrote to the dean, I, I was pretty happy. He chose certain <laughs> descriptive words that, uh, things that I kind of strive for in my life, um, things I strive for. So I think humble was one of them and a few other, like I, a lot of really good words that he used and I, I was like pretty happy with and I, I wouldn't have any objections to. I don't want to sound conceited or anything like that. But there's definitely things I strive to try to give off and impressions I try to give to patients and preceptors. So I was pretty happy with that. The second section, so that was what was being sent to the dean. Couldn't, I couldn't complain about that. I think if there's anything I could wish for is that second part. I just wish there was a little bit more critique, maybe a little bit more information on how I could do better. Um, it just basically said keep doing good work, <laughs> I think. Uh, so, which is great. I... I will continue to work hard on all my rotations. I just, I just wish this maybe something that maybe an insight as a physician that maybe he saw that he wishes he would see in me, and then that kind of feedback would, could help me become a better physician. Whether that's bedside manner, comfort, you know, confidence, whatever that is, and maybe I'm just not wanting to be a critique uh, critic of myself and. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know some of the things I need to work on, and I don't think I need a preset to tell me some of that stuff. But there's, of course, things that maybe I'm not aware of. Would be nice if the preceptor could tell me. Okay, so the other topic I was wanting to just kind of touch on, and I, I want to set the scene a little bit for this, because this happened just yesterday. I came into school as usual. I sat at my usual spot in the conference room, and there was a couple of the fourth-year students who were going over their residency application. And like they're pretty excited. So fourth year, it's a great, exciting time. You, you're doing your elective rotations, you're applying for residency, so there's a lot of things happening. But uh, I was overhearing them talking about it and it kind of brought on a lot of like thoughts of whether I should be doing more 
today? Um, what kind of anxiety? Am I doing enough today? Because I started the day off going, man, I'm, I'm knocking out my first block. I'm doing really good. And like the psych rotation's going great. I'm getting good scores on everything. Like, and you, you feel pretty good about yourself. You feel like you're kind of at the top of the, at, at your peak in a sense. And you're looking at, and I'm in, I'm in the student center where all the fifth term people are. So it's like, okay, I'm not doing, I'm not doing step one. I'm not doing CBSE. This is feeling, I feel pretty good. I'm not better than them per se, but it's like, I'm, I'm on the other side of step one. This is a great spot to be. I feel, I feel relaxed. I feel like I'm doing a lot of good work and maybe I'm feeling a little complacent. And then you listen to these fourth years talk about their second, the, the residency applications and what they're putting into it, what, what sections and how they're describing all their activities. And it just kind of creeps up on you that I'm in this kind of a period of time where I feel really good. I'm doing my cores, but like there's a whole lot more work that's going to happen, a whole lot more that I need to keep working towards in just less than a year. <laughs> Karen's laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, this was a whole eloquent eloquent way of saying he freaked the heck out and <laughs> was texting me about all the things that he needed to do and that we needed to look at. <laughs> so we will be, I think, I think we talked about allotting time each week, whether that be, it'll probably end up being on the weekend because that's, that's not dedicated study time. It's not going to interfere with his in-person rotations. So it's probably going to be like a, I don't know, a Saturday evening or Sunday evening thing where we sit down together after the kids go to bed and look over things. Because we had talked about a couple a couple episodes back about, what's the website? Oh, it was aamc.org had, had a website. Yeah, about their, their, their handy dandy tool and we just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, and I did spend some time talking to one of the students after they, her and the other student had finished up their conversation and, and kind of going over what she had done to prepare uh, for her residency application and her her electives. Because in, in fourth year, you I think you might be finishing up maybe a core, or but you're really doing a lot of electives. And so she had spent a lot of time picking out electives and being very intent and very intentional about when she scheduled certain electives, because in the residency application, apparently, you submit it in September. I'm not I'm not 100 sure on the date, but sometime in September you submit that residency application, and you're doing your your elective rotations already by that point. You probably already took step two in August, and so you're doing your electives. But so a lot of times what medical students do for electives is what's called audition electives is instead of taking three weeks and doing whatever the school assigns you to do you take three or four weeks and you go to an off-site a site that your school is not affiliated with and you work in that program it's usually attached to a program that you want to be a resident at so it's a, you're basically giving them four weeks of your life and saying hey look I can do all this stuff. This is what I, what I look like. This is how I am. And maybe take a good look at me and see if I'm a good fit for your team. And so you try to pick a few rotations earlier on in your electives because as soon as your schools get your the applications in September, they're starting to look over them. 
consider who they want to interview and they start getting interviews done i think i think it's like october 2 or through january so you really want to try to get most of those auditions done before january so they have a chance to say oh look i remember i remember eric he was great to work with i want to interview him for the residency slot and then january through march you just do you know whatever electives are interesting to you at that point like you you can probably schedule an audition January through March, but just knowing that a lot of schools have finished their interviews sometime in January and they're making their selections basically in February and March. So <laughs> it's a, and then so, so the student went into a lot of detail on how she sought out how to get some of these elective rotations, how she connected with some of the program directors. And she's like, a much more go-getter than I am. Like she, <laughs> she's a, she'll ask questions and she'll, uh, she knows you know which conferences these program directors were at, and so she, she really did a lot of footwork to do that. So that's a lot of stuff I need to do because uh, she's interested in family medicine or OBGYN, and she's looking at programs that are family medicine OBGYN combined programs, and so I, that's not that's not my track. That's not what I'm gonna do, <laughs> but. Uh, so I can't just do everything that she just did, but I can do a similar version of that with my specialties. But that's that's kind of leads to another issue. I kind of thought about why why haven't I done some of this work? I mean, Karen, you kind of mentioned we're going to sit down and look at residency programs and kind of go, okay, which ones really kind of fit our style? Which ones kind of fit what we're looking for as a family? Because uh, there's going to be like you know New York City. Um, it might be great to live in New York City, but family of four, and we've all seen the YouTube videos of the the 12 people living in a tiny house, and <laughs> two people have, like, a bedroom that's, you know, only three feet off the, the ceiling, so that's probably not going to work for a family of four. Family of six. Family of six. I have four kids, six. Uh, six <laughs> of us total. I mean, we're going to lose two of us, but I'm kidding. <laughs> but, I mean, so cost of living it is going to factor into... Yeah, if you're making almost dirt, you're only making like, I don't know, 40000 a year, New York City may not be the, the place to be for a family. Yeah. So we're going to do a lot of that footwork. But the other part of that is I haven't spent a lot, a good enough time really kind of soul searching whether my step score is going to prohibit me from certain specialties. Because I, I think I, when I started medical school, having that orthopedic surgery background, I worked seven years as a surgery coordinator. I really like orthopedics <laughs> and it's, it's kind of hard to have a, have a specialty like orthopedics that you really like and then go to a Caribbean school. And there's nothing, you know, I'm not trying to bash my Caribbean school. They gave me the opportunity to be a doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm living a dream that I probably could not have achieved otherwise. So I'm very grateful, but uh, not, not a lot of Caribbean students end up as orthopedic surgeons because that is a very competitive specialty. And then, of course, I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe general surgery again. I like working with my hands. I like I like doing things with my hands and fixing things. And I, I do like the OR quite a bit. And again, I'm going to iron some more of this rationale out by the time I get to my personal statement. <laughs> but And then the, the third option is internal medicine. Because you can do a lot of things in internal medicine. You can be a hospitalist. You can go into cardiology, nephrology, I think maybe even urology. Uh, GI. So there's a lot of things you can do as an internal medicine doctor. And so, again, part of my problem of why haven't I started this process 
is because I'm just not sure which track I can go down. And so where should I put most of my effort? Because at the end of the day, there's kind of two competing theories. There's you should follow what you absolutely love and just go for it. And then there's the you don't want to not match. <laughs> like in March, it comes around and match date comes. You want to have that envelope that says you're going to whatever specialty or residency program because that's what you know, we went to medical school to become doctors. And you, you can get your MD degree from any medical school. But if you don't match into residency, you're not going to be you're not a doctor. You're not going to be a doctor, and that's not to be a bash on anyone who hasn't ever matched before. I just I'm just saying that there's a, a huge risk of not matching, and then you have to wait a whole another year to try that application again, and wait for that you know all that anxiety. And I I, I really I really want to move from one you know from my medical school into residency, and I don't want to miss a match. So. I think I could be happy in any of those three specialties. I just need to uh, actually experience them firsthand because I think that's the other issue here is I've done family medicine and psychiatry. Uh, so I haven't done internal medicine or surgery. And in surgery, you can do, uh, I think, a subspecialty in surgery. So you could theoretically do orthopedics. So it's, it's really kind of uh, been a, a bit of a... a a block for me uh, try to get through? Well, it's not as cut and dry as it was before either because we will be matching along with students who potentially have a pass-fail on step, whereas Eric will have a score. So we don't know how much that score is actually going to be weighted or not weighted because, I mean, how, how can you tell if one person's pass is equal to what our score is or higher or lower like you don't know there's no way to know so it's unknown what program directors are going to do with that information because they could theoretically have like two different tracks for the pat one for the pass fail one for the three digit scores it's so it's and so not knowing what that is it makes it a little bit harder to plan and just pull the trigger on Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for at least one orthopedic rotation, or I'm definitely gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna do at least two or three auditions because you want to build your best shot at the rotation or residency you want. So you don't want to do an audition rotation and then not apply to it because you realize later on that you just you're not gonna make it. Like you're not gonna make that specialty. Yeah. Well, I think a lot. I I kind of I mean we've talked about this before, but I think that the step two score is going to be more is going to be more relied upon since that there is still going to be a score and everybody will have one. Yeah. And so that's why I'm putting a lot of effort into these shelf exams and my, like, because you're preparing for a shelf, but you're also preparing for step two. So I'm putting a lot of effort into preparing for step two because I would really like to see a huge jump in my score on step two. Right, that and we don't. We won't confidence. have as much time to study for. I say we. Eric won't have as much time. <laughs> We're in this together. To study for step two as he did for step one, um, because the start date for his cores was, I mean, October. So you're gonna just finish up cores when you need to take step. Oh, so we started we started my core rotations in August. In August. But yeah, we we will probably be done with our cores sometime July, I think. 
I need to build a calendar to plan this out. Yeah, but he's going to have less time to study, so it's important that he's putting it. So I think with like the Anki deck, you're just adding to. Yeah. So he's just adding specialties as he goes. Yeah, that um, was a modification I never really clarified. Is that I, I was thinking I would have like three of the Anki decks in rotation: one for the shelf, and one for the step two. With, you know, all the information, only information for the shelf exam. And then include another one for a step one and step two inky deck, and then just review all of it. Uh, realistically, I haven't been able to do the step one, and it's really hard to jump back and forth between the shelf inky deck and the step two inky deck. So all I've been doing is doing the shelf inky deck, and then just adding my next rotation. So I did family medicine. Now I'm adding psych onto it so i'm seeing some family medicine medicine questions and i'm seeing some psych questions i'm just doing them all i'm just going through them and then theoretically by the time i get towards my last core rotation i'll have done all of the step two inky deck and i've continuously been reviewing them yeah as well as doing all the u-world kaplan cubings so it's it's a lot, and then on top of that, step two is so close to the residency match date, so it's not, it's not really. A, I can get my score and then decide which I can still, of course, decide which residencies I'm going to apply to. But by that point, you've probably already scheduled some of your audition rotations, so you should have a general idea of what you want to do and where you're going to go. Uh. <laughs> So it's a lot to think about, and it, uh, like I said, like I started maybe this week and last week off thinking that I was doing pretty good on on psych, that I didn't really have a lot to worry about. <laughs> I feel like I got a good handle on everything. Like I got, I'm doing, I'm doing well. And then just kind of overhearing a slide conversation, and that's not a bad thing. Like it's not, it's not bad that someone kind of woke me up, even if it was accidentally, that. I still have a lot of work to do. I need to continue to be focused on, you know, in one year, I'm going to be thinking about residency. And then in a year and a half, we're going to be thinking about where we're going to move for that residency. So as much as that's a year away, 365 days, it's um, going to, it's going to fly by. Definitely. But I think, I know <laughs> we've talked about this before and a few times and there's enough residencies in the area of where we live that we are considering and we'll have to look into the residencies a little bit closer just to make sure that they're a good fit. But there's a decent possibility we're going to at least try for a few residencies locally to where we're at now. And and I know I don't want to give the wrong impression. I say, is it going to be a good fit? Like I don't want the listener to think that I'm being very picky. Because at the end of the day, I just want to match. <laughs> I just want to go. But you are going to spend a good amount of money on these applications. I think you could spend over over two grand on these applications. So I don't want to throw my money away. It's kind of like when you're going to, and applying to medical school. You can look up and try to figure out based on your MCAT score, based on your undergrad, maybe considering your extracurriculars and maybe some other um i don't know what the right word is but other things that uh, could benefit your application that you might have you can decide which medical schools are you're most likely to be able to get into 
which ones are you have a moderate chance to and which ones is it just like a moonshot and you maybe if you're short on money you don't go for the moonshots you go for the ones that you think you can definitely get into and I think it's a similar mentality with the residency I know we use like New York City as an example because that, that's just like an absolute like how are we going to live how are we going to raise a family that's a, obviously a priority to us we can't we can't afford to have a family in a high cost living area that you know we're not getting paid enough and in residency you can't really take out much loans so there's a there's a big um, wall there but beyond that <laughs> i think it's just going to be try to find residencies that are family friendly and uh, we have a good shot at and that actually is a what's one of the things kind of circling back to heather some of the information she gave me because she has a family as well she, well, it was important to her that, you know, when she asked questions to the program directors is how family friendly are these programs to families? And because maybe there's some that are more old school and they expect residents to basically be able to devote 100% of their time to the residency. And, and this is true. A residency is some of the most primary, biggest learning times for doctors, especially in the U.S., so you, you, there is a certain expectation of a lot of commitment, and that's fine. I'm willing to make that commitment. But there's sometimes what there's families involved, like how supportive are they that you have families, and maybe how much of a community do they build around their families, essentially. So that's something we would have to consider and look into. Because we, we've definitely enjoyed Trinity having families and having having other spouses that are in our similar life state i don't know is that yeah it made it made the transition to the island nicer it made the transition to georgia nicer because you always had somebody that was a family that was ahead of you or and then likewise you are that that resource for another family and then like we did easter we had a whole bunch of families over here we're gonna probably do halloween as group of trinity families and take the kids trick-or-treating so there's a, i think heather again i know name dropping heather a lot this episode but she's doing like a halloween movie night sometime in october that's a charity event i believe yeah but it's a it's family event yeah it's, it's a family, family event so it's it's nice and then as well the students that are that don't have families they they're good at interacting with the kiddos and Likewise, being somewhat supportive in that, even though that's not their life stage. Yeah, they, they might be more, you know, hitting the club scenes a little bit more, a little bit more free-spirited. They can kind of pick up and go uh, and visit home, do whatever they need to do vacation-wise. and But they still spend time with the families. And I know whenever uh, Brandon's wife would drop by the school student centers, you know, lots of people would and say hi to their kids because they... they they're all just very supportive and excited to see a kid. I guess the reason why we think it's kind of important to have that family environment because we, we, we would still probably have done Trinity if it hadn't been for other families. We would probably still have done Trinity if, you know, we were the only family that, that was moving through. It just would have been a lot harder. And medical school is just hard enough. <laughs> it's hard enough as it is. You're spending all that time and energy studying that it's nice, I think, for Karen to have people to talk to who are also going through similar, you know, their spouses are also 
away and studying long hours and that they can kind of build a community amongst themselves. They understand what each other's struggles are going through. Whereas maybe some of our friends from back home didn't quite understand what that, what it meant to have a spouse in medical school. No, I think that I still think that there are some friends of mine who thought that I spent every day on the beach with the kids and it was nice and relaxing and I got a great tan and that's just not not, not, quite, accurate. not quite accurate. And I think there was lots of sun. There was lots of sun, um, but I think that every time we went to the beach with all four kiddos, it was trying to keep my kids from not drowning. It wasn't relaxing. It was beautiful, but it wasn't so relaxing. That's just something that we're going to keep in mind when we look at residency programs. If we had the opportunity to ask some of these program directors, just to try to dig in a little bit there to see what they have, what they, what they, um, what their community is like. Because we would like to try to transition to something that's somewhat similar that we have as Trinity. And that's another kind of sobering thought. You spend four years in this medical school environment with building relationships, and when you hit residency, you know everyone's going to go wherever they get a residency, it's, it's somewhat unlikely that a fellow student I, you know, spent the last four years with is also going to get the same residency slot that I'm going to get. So, or be close anywhere within the vicinity. (laughs) But I mean, that's just the nature of of the school. That's that's the nature of everything. I mean, you did the same thing in undergrad, do the same thing in high school. So medical school is not really different, but you do build those relationships and hopefully they last a little bit longer. Definitely gotten a little off my script here. So <laughs> I think this is going to be basic takeaways. I just need to take some time and we're going to take some time to look at residency programs. And actually, we've mentioned that a few times now. <laughs> we're going to maybe try to figure out how to reach out to program directors, which questions we want to ask them, just try to try to get some contact with them just so that they know who I am. And so the, the first time they see my name isn't on a second uh, residency application that maybe the first time they see it is through an email or someone inquiring about their program. And this is going to be a bit of a stretch for me because as much as like I'm doing this podcast, <laughs> um, I'm looking at a microphone, I'm looking at a screen, I don't get to interact with any audience members. And so, and I do look at the statistics, so I know how many audience members we have. <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of large numbers. Not, not enough, nearly enough for me to get nervous about. But I am a t- terrible self-promoter like i yeah i don't i mean i don't really promote the podcast very much i probably should because i'm actually not i'm actually somewhat proud of what we're doing i think we're doing a it's kind of fun i I enjoy doing this anyway i don't think maybe this is the greatest production but no but it's a great like journal through medical school and it's i don't think my parents even know we're doing this oh (laughs) (laughs) so so I'm a bad self-promoter, and that's going to be something I'm going to have to work on in this process. Um, because you know, if I want to, if I want to reach out to these program directors and I want to try to make some kind of impression, I need to be a little bit more outgoing. Because that's the, the shy, timid guy uh, doesn't work for everything. So that's something I, I have to work on. And then let's see here. So. And so just kind of more recaps here. We're wrapping up the online psych portion this week. So I'm going to take another self-assessment on Saturday. And then sometime this week, I'm supposed to get my assignment on which psych uh, preceptor I'm going to have and where to show up. It's been more or less rumored that they have 
uh, inpatient psych ward that does uh, morning rounds at six o'clock in the morning. So it's pretty early. Uh, I've heard it's optional, but you know, in, in all things medical school, some things that are optional are, are really not. <laughs> so I, I intend to be there at you know six o'clock in the morning to learn as much as I can. And again, I know psych isn't what I want to go into, but I, I really do want to get a lot out of this rotation. I've heard that you can get a lot out of this rotation. You have a lot of opportunity to work on bedside manner. So I'm going to have to get adjust to being up and ready to go by 6 o'clock. I'm usually up before 6 o'clock. I'm just not usually ready to leave the house by 6. <laughs> we're working on it this We're working week. on it. So we're going to get ready for that. I'm looking really looking forward to being back in person patient contact, preceptor contact, just learning from somebody who's doing the work. And then I think the only other thing, just kind of looking forward here, is I think we're working on another special episode we're pretty excited about, and I think it will probably fit pretty well with uh, the family and medicine theme that we have for our podcast. So looking forward to that. So just kind of be on the lookout in the future. It, it may not be this week. It may not be next week, but, you know, soon enough. We're hoping it'll be next week. It it's dependent on there's some variables, several factors. <laughs> um, so we're working on it. So just again, trying to provide me some more content or more interesting perspectives, and then you don't have to listen to my voice. I know when I do the editing for this podcast, I don't always enjoy listening to my voice, and I have to listen to it almost twice during the editing process. So. And that's why I never listen to it after we record. Sometimes she doesn't even <laughs> listen to it when she doesn't record. Oh, shush. <laughs> Fair enough. I understand. Anyway, so I think that's all we have for this week. If you want to follow us on Instagram, Karen just got all that information. Again, I'm not a good self-promoter, so Karen manages our Instagram page. Equally not as great at uh, self-promoting, but we are uh, MedFamilyMD on instagram so you can follow us there leave us comments share whatever we post i think i i do make little clips that karen can post every now and then so hopefully they're okay (laughs) they are you know what we can do in our limited time and then uh, of course you can find of course our podcast on all the major podcasting platforms and if you are willing to rate us on apple apple podcast that would be great and you leave a comment, we're happy to maybe read it on one of our future episodes. Yeah, I think that's all we got. So you guys have a good evening, and we will see you next week. Bye.